Gina Della from Pella. Choose five years no interest and five months no first payment or 10-year 2.99 APR financing. Ends August 31st. Set your free consultation today at PellaWI.com slash radio or 855-PELLA-WI. Live from the WTMJ Annex Wealth Management Studios at State Fair Park, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. So very glad to have you with us. Like the big voice guy says, we are broadcasting live. It is day five of the Wisconsin State Fair. A little bit earlier on today, it was not necessarily great weather when I came in, raining pretty hard. But now the rain has stopped, at least for the time being. The sun is out. Lots of people are wandering around. This is actually a great day to play hooky. If you want to come out and maybe you're worried about, hey, I just want to get into some of the big crowds that come on the weekend, Mondays and Tuesdays are absolutely tremendous days to come on out and if you do come out be sure to stop off and say hello we're going to talk a little bit more about this in a different context a little bit later but i I love some of these stories and just kind of the cluelessness that exists with with some people and they either really believe it or they don't believe it but nevertheless they say it anyways now there's a lot of concern about so-called super spreader events we're going to talk about what's going on in sturgis in just a little bit you you have um for example, we, we had a ton of people that were in the Deer District, you know, over the, the Bucks championship run. So people are starting to wonder, oh, is, is, is this bad? And apparently there's some super spreader events that, that are not good, like Sturgis. And then there's others that aren't necessarily bad, like the Barack Obama birthday bash. Well, okay, Martha's Vineyard on, uh, you know, on, in, in very, you know, Tony, you know, New York. Uh, Barack Obama had a party. It was originally going to be like 500 people close together in tents. They apparently scaled it down a little bit, but this was a birthday party, and, and that's all That's all well and good, and lots and lots of people came, and they gathered, and the pictures from the, the party that were released showed hundreds and hundreds of people socializing in very close quarters, none of them wearing masks, or or almost nobody wearing masks, which, which is... Which is, it's fine. It's an individual choice that people end up making. But it was really interesting. Over the weekend, uh, the reporter, the White House correspondent, her name is Annie Carney, from the New York Times. She goes on CNN, and, and she's talking about the, the Obama event and all the people that came. And, and one, of the, one of the questions is, well, all right, we, we talk about super spreader events, and here you have hundreds of people at the Obama birthday bash, and they're all close in together. And, you know, isn't there any concern? And she essentially says that, well, the, the people who attended weren't worried because he only invited a, quote, sophisticated vaccinated crowd. A sophisticated vaccinated crowd. Now, it, it's, it is interesting to me because re- remember that the thing we've been told by the CDC is that even if you are vaccinated, you can nevertheless spread it. And that's one of the big justifications for saying that people who are fully vaccinated should wear masks. Well, I didn't realize that there was now this extra criteria that comes in if you're a liberal politician. That is, if you're sophisticated. So if you're a sophisticated and vaccinated, apparently it's okay to, to go and be close in together. But if you're 
not sophisticated, well, it's a different story. And, and of course, as soon as she says this, this, this generates this like huge response. And it is, it is sort of the, the, the you know, you, you want to say, well, well, Muffy, I mean, really, are you saying if you are sophisticated, we don't have to worry about this, huh? And, and you know, she's trying to say, well, that's just what some people were saying. It wasn't necessarily what I was saying. But there is this criteria, and it's interesting because I haven't heard Dr. Fauci, I haven't heard the CDC say that if you're vaccinated and sophisticated, you don't need to worry about, I don't know, being around and out in public sophisticated and vaccinated and the thing is with this cluelessness I, I, i'm sure that's exactly what people said well we can't get covid because we're going to be around people like us and they're sophisticated and they're vaccinated so this can't be a super spreader event so who needs to wear masks it just it just is mind-boggling all right something else that is mind-boggling about 5 a.m yesterday morning 6th and mitchell um a speeding driver crashes into a tree high rate of speed driver trapped inside the car the car caught fire the driver died Mm, that's a pretty tough way to go but that doesn't begin to talk about the worst the worst traffic fatalities in milwaukee over the weekend if you haven't heard this story about 4 45 in the afternoon saturday we're not talking about 4 45 in the morning we're talking about 4 45 in the afternoon 6,000 block of West Hampton Avenue. So this is 60th and Hampton. Hampton is one of, together with Silver Spring, Hampton, North Avenue, these are are some of the major east-west streets. If you don't want to go on the freeway and you've got to go from, I don't know, Wauwatosa to Whitefish Bay or whatever or Shorewood, Hampton would be one of the logical routes that you would take. 4.45 in the afternoon. Apparently what happens is there are two guys. One is 37 years old. One is 30 years old. 4.45 in the afternoon. They are engaged in a street race on Hampton Avenue, driving at a high rate of speed. What happens is around 60th and Hampton, there's a car that is just it's making a, a right turn. It has the right of way. The car is just turning, and it's hit by one of these idiots who is driving, again, in this street race at a really high rate of speed. The two guys, there's two young men who are in the car, both 22 years old. They're not racing. They're just they're just making a turn on the street. This could be you. It could be me. It could be your spouse. It could be your kids or your grandkids. They're just, they're just there at 445 in the afternoon on 60th and Hampton. Well, the street race is going on. One of the drivers smashes into this car as it's making the turn. Both of the young men, both of the 22-year-olds, are killed. All right, the racing driver suffers serious injuries, but were not life-threatening. So he's going to ultimately walk away from this. He was taken to the hospital and he was arrested. The second racing driver also crashed. He struck two vehicles, a parked car and an occupied car, and then he fled the scene after being hit. So they kill two 22-year-old guys who are just simply making a turn and happen to get in the way of these idiots making the street race. The 37-year-old who's responsible for hitting and killing the two people, well, you know, he's taken to the hospital, but he's going to be okay. The other idiot slams into another car, but he's not injured, and he gets up and he runs away. Now they've ultimately caught him, but you have two people who are dead.
two people who are dead. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb here, or maybe I'm not that far out on a limb, and I'm going to suggest to you that when they release the names and the backgrounds of these two guys that were drag racing, my guess is it's not going to be the first time at the rodeo for either one of them. Could be wrong, but my guess is you're going to find a a lengthy list of similar sort of behavior, because I don't just believe you wake up one Saturday morning in August and say, hey, today's the day. I'm going to get into a street race at 4.45 in the afternoon on Hampton Avenue. I, you just don't do that. So my guess is there's going to be an extensive criminal record, but, but or at least a traffic record. But it doesn't matter because the 37-year-old has now killed two people. And nothing that you can do brings those two people back. The underlying problem, and I've been reading a lot of the coverage and a lot of the community activists are saying this happens all the time, happens on a regular basis, the drag racing, the reckless driving, the crazy stuff, and nothing, nothing is done about it. My question is a rhetorical one. First of all, how many people have to die before we recognize that reckless driving is, in fact, a big deal? Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We, we can't bring these two guys back that were killed they can't can't bring them back but what we can do is say how much more of this are we in fact going to tolerate and for me the key is early intervention the key is not allowing people to continue to drive recklessly time after time the key is taking their cars the key is prosecuting people the key is taking their driver's licenses the key is punishing people however you want to do it early on now does that guarantee that people aren't going to be able to do this no but i think if you end up taking a bunch of the people that are doing this off the streets you make it more likely that that maybe the streets will be a little bit safer because i don't know about you but there are now lots of streets in the city of milwaukee that i flat out won't drive down because of this sort of stuff 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Right now, the bad guys are running the streets when it comes to driving. That's got to stop. 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Are there places in Milwaukee that you are lo- reluctant to drive that maybe five or ten years ago you would have never had hesitation? And how much more of this stuff will we tolerate? How many more people have to die before we need to We recognize that we've got to start intervening earlier to punish people for doing this type of stuff. 855-616-1620, we discuss in a moment. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Hey, the newest summer event is the WTMJ Classic from the club at Lock LaBelle in Oconomowoc. Our WTMJ team is hitting the golf course this August for a day of food, fun, and networking. Join us on August 17th during the WTMJ Classic live um, broadcast for an online auction benefiting Rogers Behavioral Health Foundation, a Wisconsin nonprofit providing life-saving mental health treatment. You can text the word GOLF, G-O-L-F, to see the items now. It's the WTMJ Classic, hosted by the Club at Lock LaBelle, sponsored by Imperial Service Systems, Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin, Griffin Automotive Group, and Gruber Law Offices. We were just talking about, if you happen to be on the roads on 60th and Hampton around 445 uh, last Saturday afternoon, well, you know, your life was in danger because there's two people that were in go- involved in a street drag race, 4.45 in the afternoon, car making a turn, gets in the middle of this, one of the vehicles hits them, these two 22-year-olds in that car are, are dead. They are, are dead. The 37-year-old driving the car, well, he's still alive, and the other one, 
who was involved in the drag race. He smashes up his car. He flees. They caught him. But, you know, when are we going to say enough is enough? Don on the south side. Don, you're on WTMJ. Hey, I appreciate it, Jeff. And I I think, yeah, prosecution is the key. I mean, I was just westbound on National Avenue five minutes ago and was passed by three modified compact Japanese cars doing like 60 miles an hour. So I pulled over to the right, let them go by. And I understand, you know, police enforcement isn't what it used to be or they don't have the resources for it. But you have to drive a lot differently in the city than you do you know, out in the suburbs of the country, and it's it's like Mad Max out there. Even the ATVs and dirt bikes I see on the road now. So, well, no, you're 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 exactly right. And you know, unfortunately, what happens is e- even if the police track people down for doing the street race and they give them tickets or whatever, well, okay, there, there's not going to be any consequences. Even if they charge them with some moving violation, there's not going to be any consequences. And so it just repeats itself over and over again until finally you hit and kill two people. Well, then you're presumably going to jail. But that doesn't make the, that doesn't make the streets any safer. Incredibly frustrating. Correct. Thanks. Thanks for the call, Don. I appreciate it. Sure. Okay, here's a text that makes this point. Jeff, what you're talking about is a daily event on North 76th Street between Silver Spring North to County Line Road and the east-west streets in the same area. All that. taking At the same time, though, I think taking cars and licenses won't work. They'll get another car and drive around without licenses. You've got to lock them up, make them pay for all the damages. It's kids that, if they're kids, it needs to make the parents pay, pay damages and funerals. Why should my insurance be sky high because of these kids? Well, I, I agree with the sentiment, except for the same time, these two that were involved in this street, street drag race on Saturday weren't kids. The, the guy that hit and killed the two young people were was 37 years old. The other guy was 30 years old. These aren't kids. And, and look, and I, I support the idea of fines and stuff like that. But but the truth of the matter is, a lot of the people that are doing this, they don't they, they don't have money. I, I mean, so you you can fine somebody a million dollars, but if they don't have ten dollars to their name, that fine becomes useless. What you need to do is you need to do other stuff. You need to be more aggressive. You need to start taking away cars. Um, until, for example, fines are, are paid. If these cars are stolen, which they are in many cases, well, we've got to stop steal it, treating uh, car theft like a, a, a minor sort of nuisance, and we've got to recognize it for the serious felony that it is. Ken in Port Washington. Ken, you're on WTMJ. Jeff, you make the I point can. of having more... Well, Jeff, you make the point of having more consequences involved but yet the municipal court has a program to help these people with multiple moving violations to get their driver's licenses back. So they're actually aiding to the problem. Well, I there you thanks for the call, Ken. Yeah, you did the Right. The, the, the whole idea, and, and we, we've gone around the bend, and for example in Milwaukee, the idea is we want to do everything we possibly can to make sure that people keep their driver's licenses, so we're willing to um, work out payment plans because, you know, we, we don't want to deprive people of their cars. And see, I'm not... I am not as concerned when we talk about this as the guy that has got his gets his license suspended because you've got a bunch of unpaid parking tickets. That, that's 
that to me is a different classification. And I'm not saying you should get away with that. But I'm talking about the people who are involved in the moving violations, you know, the, the reckless driving and things like that, the people who candidly shouldn't be behind the wheel. Or, or let's talk about where a lot of this problem is. A lot of the people that they catch out on the roads, they don't have valid licenses in the first place. You know, they, they either, they're, they're either driving on a suspended or a non-existent license, and the police will tell you. They, they view it as a joke. All right, so you get arrested for driving without a license, and then, you know, your, your license is suspended for a further period of time. Well, I mean, you're 30 minutes later, you're back out, you find a car, you're behind the wheel of that car. There needs to be accountability for all this. Mike in Brookfield. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. How are you? I'm well, thank you, sir. What do you think? Well, I'll tell you, you're not asking the right question. It's not how many people have to die. It's just that the right people aren't dying. So if it was Tom Barrett's relative or Mandela Barnes's relative or or some elected official's family was actually affected by what's happening, then things will change. So, I mean, the answer to your question is N plus one, right? It'll, it'll be any number of people need to die. It's just, you know, until the, the folks in power are actually affected, then, then we'll see change. And that's unfortunate. Well, it, it, thanks for calling, Mike. Well, I, I hope you're wrong, but I, I mean, I'm so frustrated by this because I, I just, you know, it's lip service. This this happens on a regular basis. I, I won't say daily, but it certainly happens a couple times a, a week, and it's the same pattern. I mean, we talked about the same thing about a month ago. Remember where you had the 15-year-old kids driving the stolen car on Good Hope Road, and they take off from the police, and then they cross over, and one of them has a head-on collision with somebody coming the other way. I mean, and what's scary is this could happen to any of us. It, it is the randomness. There's so much of this stuff out there, and it is the randomness. I mean, here's a text. Jeff, I worked at Lutheran Manor, and I always took um, Hampton from 92nd Street all the way down to the lake. After all this stuff, um, I'm, I will never take this route again. And, and I, I will tell you, there's, there are all sorts of routes that I used to take to go from one side of Milwaukee to the other, and I'm at the same situation. It's like I'm, I'm not driving down this road anymore because I don't want to be a victim because there's a better than even, well, that's a, exaggerating, but there is a, a larger chance than I want to accept that I'm going to be in that intersection of 60th and Hampton with the light, and there's going to be two idiots that are going to be driving 95 miles an hour in a drag race at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and I don't want to put myself in that situation, and I don't want to put the people that are in my car in that situation. For the love of God, we need authorities to Wake up! We need the prosecutors to wake up. We need the chattering class of politicians to wake up. We need the judges to wake up, and we need to do something about this. How many more people have to die? Back with more in just a minute. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. The newest summer event is the WTMJ Classic from the club at Lock LaBelle and Oconomowoc. Our WTMJ is hit team is hitting the golf course this August for a day of food, fun, and networking. Join us on August 17th during the WTMJ Classic live broadcast for an online auction benefiting Rogers Memorial Health Foundation, a Wisconsin nonprofit providing life-saving mental health treatment. Text the word GOLF to see the items that are going to be available for auction now. It's the WTMJ Classic hosted by the club at Lock LaBelle, sponsored by Culligan Water Waukesha, Sit Mean Sit Dog Training, Professional Construction, Inc., and Evans Transportation Services in Brookfield. It will be a 
lot of fun. You know, last week on, on one or two occasions, we we talked about we we talked about these companies that are saying that if people aren't vaccinated by a certain date, they're going to consider that to be a violation of workplace rules, and they're going to fire people. And you, you have this particularly playing out in the healthcare industry. And one of the things, a, a question I posed, and I don't know the answer to it, but a question I posed was. What happens? Are these companies bluffing? And the, the scenario I laid out was, I mean, right now, you, you, can't, you can't find people to work at nursing homes. All right. So let's say, you know, you've got a nursing home, which is already short staffed, and you have, I don't know, 10, 20 percent of the employees who, for whatever reason, have decided that they're not going to get vaccinated. OK, so November 1st rolls around or October 15th, or whatever the day is, and, and and these employees aren't vaccinated. So are you going to just do a mass firing? You're going to fire 20% of your employees? And, and then what, what what happens? Where, where do you get employees to replace them? Now, look, I'm not suggesting that people should if, play chicken with their employers in that regard, because that's a very dangerous kind of game. I'm just wondering about what the reality is. Are our places bluffing? And, you know, I heard from a number of people in the healthcare industry saying, no, that they're, they're, they're not. They're, they're serious about it, which is all well and good, but I'm wondering how this plays out in the real world. There's, there is actually a real-world example of that um, right now. In San Francisco, the San Francisco Sheriff's Department has already said that all employees, sheriff's deputies and clerical personnel, everybody has to be fully vaccinated by September 15th or they will lose their job, September 15th. So now you're talking about a little over a month. The union that represents the sheriff's deputies said, well, just so you understand, here is what's going to happen. Right now, they estimate that about 160 of the 600 sheriff's employees, now these aren't just deputies, but this is everybody, they estimate that about 25% of the workforce is not vaccinated and is rejecting getting vaccinated for a variety of reasons. Right now, they estimate that sheriff's deputies, the the actual frontline law enforcement people, um, 16% of the, the sheriff's deputies right now are not vaccinated. And the union is saying, we don't think that that number is going to change materially over the course of the next month. Now, I don't know how this whole thing is going to play out other than to say, you know, it, given what's going on in urban areas with regard to crime and things like that, how can you suddenly lose 25% of your workforce, frontline, you know, out, you know, driving squad cars around cops and the people back at the office providing that support stuff? I mean, are, are you really going to do it? And how are you going to replace them? And what is the impact on crime that that has? Now, again, I, I don't have the answers to all this. And, you know, I, I guess if people voluntarily get vaccinated in large numbers, it, it becomes academic. But if the union is saying, and the union is correct, saying, hey, we've got um, right now about 25% of our employees that aren't going to get vaccinated, can you really turn around in, in a month and fire all these employees. And I guess the question, too, is then the saying, well, well, would they quit? Well, the union is saying, look, there's a lot of 
There's a lot of police departments, there's a lot of sheriff departments in our area who are desperate for people and would and do not have the vaccine mandate. So their their argument is, hey, you, you fire a San Francisco sheriff's deputy for refusing to get the vaccine, and they're not going to have any trouble going you know somewhere else in the area and, and getting a comparable job without being forced to be vaccinated. Now, I don't know what the answer to all this is, and I'm not using this as something to encourage people not to get vaccinated, but I'm just saying that, I, this this is going to be interesting to see how it all plays out because at some point in time, if you take the healthcare situation and you take a nursing home that's part of a larger healthcare place and you're looking at a vaccination rate now of maybe 70%, and so maybe a month from now, maybe you've gotten it up to 80%, but when you can't find people to do the work now, how how in the world can you suddenly turn around and fire 20% of, of your workforce if the number is that? Don't see how that happens. All right, when we come back, oh, my gosh, I can't believe these bikers are getting together. I'll explain. We'll discuss. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We are broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. A little bit overcast now, but come on out. Have a lot of fun. Boy, we sure got a lot of rain over the last couple days. Where I live, it was about three and a half inches on Saturday night. And um, sump pump running a lot. As long as the power stays on, everything will be fine. And more rain scheduled off and on for today and for parts of tomorrow. We're in one of these kind of wet cycles. And by the end of the week, hopefully things will get a lot better. But right now, a lot of people wandering around here at the State Fair enjoying all there is to offer. Lots of space indoors. Don't let the threat of rain stop you from coming out. Matter of fact, coming up in about 20 minutes, we're going to do something extremely special. A um, little bit of a deviation. I typically don't have guests on the program. That's just not the way we run the show. But i uh, got a special guest coming up in the 1 o'clock hour. Our, our vice president, our market manager, he actually wears multiple hats. He's now doubling or tripling or quadrupling as our program. Program director for the time being, Steve Wexler. He's out at the State Fair, and he's going to join me, and we're going to open up the text line, open up the phone line. We're going to talk about the radio business in general, and we're going to talk about WTMJ in particular. So if you have some specific sort of question or something you were wondering about the operation of the station, you, you can text it in or you can try to call in and things. And, you know, Steve always says, well, they, they can ask me anything. And I say, well, no, they, they, they can't, because inevitably somebody's going to call in and say, how much do you pay this host or that host? Well, we're not going to talk about that, but you understand. If you're wondering about the, the station and decisions that are made and what the thinking is and what the future of this station is as well as the future of the industry, um, we've got the guy that will uh, give you at least his insights into these things. Steve Wex is going to join me in about 20 minutes or so from the Wisconsin State Fair. All right. What is going on right now in South Dakota is is the Sturgis bike rally. Sturgis is a very, very small town, kind of in the Black Hills of South Dakota. For most of the year, very, very few people go into Sturgis. But for one week, one week out of the year, Sturgis becomes, well, just the the epicenter of the, the motorcycle industry. And they expect this year that there's going to be about 700,000 people who are expected to attend the motorcycle rally in Sturgis this year. Just an incredible number of people. Well, this rally is getting all sorts of criticism. Anthony Fauci, 
goes on TV the other day, says, well, this, he just can't believe that this is happening because this is going to be this giant super spreader event that, that's going on and can't believe that all these people are going to be going out to, to Sturgis. And look, this is going to be terrible. They're going to get all sorts of people sick. And so that's, that's, that's Fauci's response. Now, interestingly, Dr. Fauci really had nothing to say about Lollapalooza, the, the giant concert event that was held in Chicago of last week. We, we know in Milwaukee, and I was part of this, not as an attendee, but as a commentator. You know, when we talked about all those people who got together in the Deer District um, over the, the Bucks playoff run, including the, you know, tens of thousands of people who gathered shoulder to shoulder in the Deer District for Game 7 or Game 6 of the NBA championships, I mean, we, we didn't talk about, oh, this is a super spreader event. We talked about how great it was to get this community together and to see all these people come out. Now, there have been reports that I think the last number I saw was that they believe that, you know, maybe 500 COVID cases were traced to that, that event, which candidly, I think is is relatively a relatively small number given the size of, of the gathering. So sometimes our, our outrage at large events becomes what's the word I'm thinking of situational. You know, the, if, if it's a biker rally in Sturgis, well, it's appalling. If it's tens of thousands of people getting together in close quarters to celebrate the, the Bucks winning the championship, well, okay, it, it's okay. If it's a bunch of people, tens of thousands getting together to see concerts in Chicago, well, then it's okay. In any event, our number eight. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Is it irresponsible for the Sturgis bike rally to be allowed to take place this year? Should people have been allowed to go there? And if they did go there, are they being irresponsible? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. We discuss in a moment. 855-616-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Bill in Oconomowoc. Hi, Bill. Hey, Jeff. Hey, on COVID, you know, just stay consistent in mask, no mask, uh, partial mask, whatever. It's about being educated and staying smart. Uh, unfortunately, you know, Dr. Fauci, in the beginning, told us what we needed to do. We didn't follow it, and we ended up being the worst in the civilized world as far as battling COVID. Let's not stay stupid on this issue. If he believes that's the case, yes, and I understand with the Deer District completely. I was all for it myself. I loved it. It was a great time. We'll never forget it. But because we made one foolish mistake, I don't think it, we should make two. Okay, so you, would, you, would you say, so Bill, would you, in your opinion, the, the people that gathered at the Deer District, you think that was it was foolish for them to do that? No, I, you didn't hear what I said. I was I was promoting that. I thought that was great. But as you know, COVID was rising. And now we're very aware how fast COVID is spreading. So two wrongs don't make a right. At that time, okay, so again, let me thought, ask you again. In re, in, okay, in retrospect, was it foolish to have the event at the Deer District? Well, look, if you want to call it foolish, probably not. I wouldn't call it foolish, and here's why. You said yourself what the percentage was. And if I understood you correctly, and I heard the same numbers, that it was a small percent that got COVID, yeah. correct? Okay. Right. Five, 500, so small, yeah, that's the number I saw. Okay. Right, right. So if it's a small percent, um, no, I, I wouldn't call it foolish. But when it comes to Sturgis, Sturgis I think if you're aware and that you're asked to wear masks, you know, you can still have the event. Doesn't mean you can't, can't 
can't have the event. But our country is always worried about rights but not responsibility. Does that make sense? No, it does. Thanks for the call, Bill. I I guess I I just I bring this up because I I do think we get situational at a time. Look, here's how I look at this. First of all, I'm the guy that encourages people to get vaccinated. I I think that's ultimately the way out of this. I also I will tell you this. I continue to believe that people are over the mask mandates. I've been out here at State Fair since Thursday. If you walk into the the craft barns or anything where masks are optional, I I don't want to say nobody, but almost nobody is wearing masks. I, I think and my guess is not everybody around here is vaccinated. I, I think people are making their own decisions that they're willing to accept the various risks that come on that come along with this. And I just don't think that you can criticize the people who go to Sturgis at the same time, unless we're going to criticize the people that are in the Deer District, or unless we're going to criticize the people at Lollapalooza, or unless we're going to criticize the people that that go into other areas like the state fair. And I'm not going to criticize any of them. It's a decision that people make. I do think it's interesting, though, that because the, the makeup of Sturgis, I think some people have a certain view of a certain type of person that goes there. Well, we're going to criticize them for going, but we're not going to, I don't know, criticize people at the Deer District or whatever. I just think it's a matter of people making their own individual choices. All right, when we come back, we're going to be joined by our Vice President Market Manager, Steve Wexler. If you've got questions from Mr. Wexler, you can text them to me, 855 Back with more in just a couple minutes. We're broadcasting live from the 2021 Wisconsin State Fair, where the heavens have just opened up again. Live from the WTMJ Annex Wealth Management Studios at State Fair Park, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back. It's State Fair 2021. We're going to do something special this hour of the program. Uh, normally, on my show at least, we, we don't do interviews that often, but this is a special opportunity. And uh, we are joined by Steve Wexler, who is no stranger to listeners, fans of WTMJ. The, I think the official title is Vice President and Market Manager for Good Karma, but you, you wear a lot of hats, including you're, you're kind of our de facto program director right now. Um, so you're, uh, we're going to open up this hour, and you're willing to come out here and answer texts and listener questions and talk about the state of the industry. Yeah, I think, uh, Jeff, thanks for having me on. <clears throat> At least once a year, I just like to have the opportunity to talk directly uh, with fans or critics of our radio station or of the business. I talk to a lot of fans, as you might, uh, you know, think on email mm-hmm. or social media, but you don't get a chance to actually interact and maybe answer questions. So because it's the fair where we get to be live in front of an audience, I thought I'd come out and okay. risky behavior, Jeff, and uh, <laughs> see what uh, what people might want to know. 855-616-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We, we've got an hour. We're going to cover all sorts of ground. Steve, one of our very first questions that came in during the break was somebody was asking about your background, how long you've been with WTMJ, and I think everybody knows the story that you go you started as a, a producer yep. um, for the Green house back yeah, in the day. Yeah, I actually, it's funny being here at the State Fair studio with you, Jeff, because this this studio, by the way, with this same awful orange carpeting that's around us, was the carpeting that was in the studio when I began as an intern in 1977. So I grew up in Shorewood. I rode my bicycle to WTMJ, asked if I could be on the radio. The receptionist said, no, you can't, but you can help the people that are. And I said, that's close enough for me. And so began as an intern, uh, worked my way, whether it's up or down or sideways, uh, to different roles in the company, on the air, into management, 
uh, traveled for other companies, ran other markets, TV and radio, and then uh, came back uh, as part of Good Karma Brands here a few years ago when we sold the radio division to Good Karma Brands. Steve, you have, um, from time to time, done what I editorials uh, on, on different things, the, the verbal editorials. Mm-hmm. One of the ones that, that's always generated some interest, so for a number of months ago, you talked about WTMJ as a radio station. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but not being ideological. And inevitably, I'll get feedback every once in a while saying, well, Jeff, you're not, allow- you're not allowed to take political positions. How dare you criticize this? You are being ideological. Wexler says you're not allowed to do it. And I always think those people sort of misunderstood where you were trying to come from. Yeah, first of all, you know, editorials on radio and TV used to be a big deal. Like, you would see general managers of TV and radio stations take to the airwaves to give management opinion. <clears throat> Much of that was done before the days when we had talk show hosts like you, Jeff, who are paid to give opinions. Um, you know, if you didn't have a take on the issues of the day, I'd be the one saying, where's your opinion? Where's your viewpoint? So the point of my editorial, this was during... I believe this was during the pandemic and election day were colliding, right? We were trying to figure out how are we going to hold an election? And there was a lot of debate as to should we allow more mail-in ballots? Should we leave the polls open? And there was a lot of yelling, I thought, going on from the left and from the right. And uh, uh, I took to the airwaves to say, can we please look out for the public good and not be so concerned with whether we're scoring points you know, politically. And I made the point, and I still believe it, that as a brand, our radio station over the years um, has never, our mission is not to support a political ideology. We don't start our day by saying, how do we further a conservative cause or a liberal cause? And in fact, you know, because you've been on the air here for 23 years. 23 years. And at the time that we've worked together, and I think even prior, um, I've never said to you, here's a viewpoint that, that the station or the company um, you know, believes in. In fact, quite the opposite. I think I've been consistent by saying, be authentic, be sincere, do your homework. I ask you to know what you're talking about, which I have confidence that you do, of course. Um, so the talk show hosts are supposed to take viewpoints. But the point I was trying to make to the audience that day was, if that viewpoint falls to the left on an issue or falls to the right, that's because it was your authentic viewpoint, not because the company said, mm-hmm. hey, Jeff, we'd like to lean left here, or could you lean a little right over here? We don't manufacture viewpoints that way. We don't believe in that. I think that makes for really boring and uh, uh, not very successful dialogue. All I ask is hosts who have a viewpoint to express it, uh, argue it, debate it robustly, but also be willing to listen to other people who might uh, intelligently want to disagree with you. So that was the point I was trying to make about ideology. Uh, but when people say, well, why does Jeff Wagner give his point of view? I say, because that's, <laughs> that's we hired his, him for. That's in his job description. That's what he's supposed to do. Well, you know, it's interesting, Steve, because I, especially since Good Karma made the purchase a couple of years ago, I will hear from from fans who will say, I know you really don't believe that but i know you're under pressure from Mm. management to take that position that the wtmj is becoming more liberal as institution or whatever and and my response is always no i mean if if you like or don't like something you hear from me i'm the one to blame you know you you can call up mr wexler and complain about me but you know and they do occasionally oh i'm sure that happens (laughs) but it's not like i'm being told i've never been directed to to talk about something or to take a particular position well and and the other i guess law with that line of critique, Jeff, is it assumes, for us anyway, 
that our brand is about politics at its core. And actually, our brand is about companionship, information, um, debate, sports, Brewers baseball, Packers football, Bucks basketball, weather reports. So our brand is big and broad. We don't uh, we don't build and haven't built this great franchise over the years based on politics. Now, politics is obviously a central part of the debate and the discussion. Sure. It's uh, it's part of everybody's lives. But I will tell you that one of the reasons WTMJ over the years has maintained what we call the Big Tent, and you know the most listened to radio station in the state of Wisconsin by far, is because we've kind of purposely said politics will be on our menu. It'll be uh, featured. But it's not the only thing we do, because when we define WTMJ just by politics, we narrow the station. Now, there are stations and brands that are about politics, excuse me, politics, and that's pretty much it. That's what they do. They do it extremely well. There's a a radio uh, station in Milwaukee that I put on the air in 1989, uh, WISN. It was built to be ideological, and they do, and they do it well. We at WTMJ can't be that because we are the home of the big newsroom and the big sports franchises. So I'm not whining about it. I'm not playing the violin, but I will tell you that we feel we have a broader responsibility than to just discuss politics. Let's uh, take some listener calls. Awesome. Fan call. Craig and Horicon. Craig, you're on WTMJ with Steve Wexler. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Good afternoon, Steve. Thank you so much for taking my call. Um, you bet. Hi, Craig. First thing, uh, Hey, hey, uh, Steve. Um, first thing, I want to say a uh, big shout-out to Craig Carmazan and Good Karma Broadcasting. Um, he did not put his personal politics into it because as a resident of Dodge County, I listened to WDEV first and foremost, TMJ, all afternoon so I can harass Jeff. But, uh, no, uh, Craig has not interjected his politics into anything. But I'd like to ask three quick questions, and I'll hang up and listen to your answers on this. Uh, the first one is, again, I listen to a lot of TMG, BED, ESPN, but how is your Black Talk station doing on FM? And are you getting a mm-hmm. lot of support with that? And uh, how is that taking off being a fairly new station? Uh, obviously, I don't listen to it a whole lot. I don't get it. Uh, I don't receive it here. But... Uh, what, what are uh, Craig Carmazan's future uh, in, in Wisconsin radio? And then the last thing is, uh, again, I listen to a lot of BED and uh, TMJ. Is there a uh, support uh, system or a suggestion box where we can touch out to Craig himself? He seems like a very personal guy. You know, we, we hear him on ESPN a whole lot. Got it. Um, is, okay, is, Craig, is we got a, it. Thank, uh, okay, we appreciate it. Okay. Right, no, uh, let's see. Okay, thanks. Craig, thank you. Appreciate the question. So in order, uh, the truth is the new Black Talk radio station that we launched in January. And it's actually connected to your other question about Craig Carmes and our CEO and founder. Craig, our company is now uh, locally owned and locally owned for the first time in many years, right? Jeff, you'll recall the journal days when um, that was local ownership, owned, in fact, by employees for many years, sold to the EW Scripps company, an amazing company, but not locally owned. Today, Good Karma Brands, local uh, investors, local owners. Craig said, 
why in Milwaukee isn't there, we have WTMJ, Wisconsin's radio station, why isn't there a station that's Milwaukee station, you know, focused on the city? So we built the new station from scratch. To your question of how it's doing, uh, it's doing extremely well, and we knew that there would be sort of a demand for that product. We didn't realize how much that we've really touched uh, a nerve. So really excited about the growth of uh, a station beyond ESPN and WTMJ. Second question was a big picture. Uh, big, a big picture. Big picture yeah, yeah I, I don't want to speak for, uh, for Craig, but I will tell you that having um, brands that are local, where we've doubled down, I mean, WTMJ, where we have local shows, local newsroom, new local stations, our ESPN station that has local shows, the the investments we've made in local sports, building another talk station for the black community. I think that if you follow the dots, you know, my dad always used to say, follow the money and you'll get the answer to your question. We clearly are believers in local engagement, serving the local market. So, um, while some broadcasters have had to do more syndication, bring in network programming, more generic kind of shows, we believe that the future, for us anyway, is not being very connected to the local uh, community. Good enough. We're going to take a very quick break because there is one rule that, that I have to follow or I do get in a lot of trouble, which is make sure you play the, the various ads. Pay the bills, right? <laughs> Pay the bills, yep. absolutely. Back with more questions for Steve Wexler in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We are joined by our market manager, our vice president, Steve Wexler, our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jim in Hales Corners. Jim, good afternoon. Hey, guys. Uh, Long-time hey, listener. And uh, my question is, uh, what, what is the reason uh, that uh, the station is moving to downtown, to the Grand Avenue, away from historic Radio City? I've actually been to Radio City uh, back in the 50s when there was a children's show there mm-hmm. in the auditorium. A beautiful, beautiful facility altogether. But what's the reason behind the move? Good. Thanks for the call, Jim. Steve? Yeah, uh, good question, Jim. Thanks. Two things. One is when we sold uh, the radio company from EW Scripps to a number of other owners, uh, the owner of the radio stations now is Good Karma Brands. So we are actually now in a building that we do not own. We are tenants of Scripps because in that building, of course, is WTMJ Television, WTMJ Radio, and all of our other radio stations. So the first reason is we're, we're actually not in our own facility. Um, the other reason is a little more forward thinking, which is it's our belief that Milwaukee and the community that we're in, now that we're under local ownership, we really wanted to make a statement, if you will, uh, and endorse the growth that we see in the community. And so uh, our CEO and founder, Craig Carmazin, and our leadership group uh, started looking at what was happening at the Avenue and realized that it was really going to be um, a tipping point, Jeff. It was going to be something uh, really special in terms of retail restaurants, food, a gathering place in a newly revitalized downtown. And we felt, who better to sort of represent media in a setting like that than 
WTMJ, ESPN, and now the new uh, 101.7 The Truth. So we believe it's an investment in Milwaukee's future. Uh, we believe it puts our stations right in the heart of the city. Uh, plus, we believe that it's important that we have uh, our own place where, that we can call home. So it's really a combination of those well, reasons. And, and as a practical matter, Steve, you and I have talked about this. We have, for all intents and purposes, really outgrown the, the facility where we are. I mean, it's we, we have... Good Karma is larger than WTMJ was. We've got we, there's four radio stations Correct. now, not two, Correct. and you know there's there's a limitation. And people are booking studio time. It's we, we've really we've we've outgrown where we, we are. We have, and I know the listeners might uh, you know this isn't really your world, but you know obviously we have offices and you know salespeople and marketing teams, and that building was not built for a bunch of radio stations. To your point, it was built really for WTMJ. I mean, way back in the day, um, WK. ATI was just running off a, it wasn't even a computer back then, it was just sort of, it was called an automation system. It was sitting in a back closet. So now we have WAUK, we have WKTI, we have WTMJ, we have The Truth, and all that goes with it. So we've outgrown it, and believe me, you're talking to somebody who literally grew up in that building. I feel connected to it, um, but I'm not... Uh, I'm not going to shed a tear. I'm going to be appreciative of the history in that building, but I'm eager to move on with the future of our brand and our industry. Okay, to that point, let me go to the text line. We have a question for you. When WTMJ makes the move to the new Grand Avenue Studios, will the relationship with WTMJ TV still exist? For example, with Brian Goddard and Shannon Shannon Sims, Sims, will they continue to contribute to the afternoon show? So thank you to the texter. By the way, it's the Avenue. I know we want to say Grand Avenue because that's what we all grew up with, but the new name is is the Avenue, so you can strike the word grand when you're referring to it. Um, I, I hope so. That obviously is a long-standing relationship. Again, we are no longer co-owned, and so it takes two, you know, to tango. We really value the partnership because we are able to share news, coverage, reporters, weather, sports, and and other items as well. So I'm hopeful that it will. I don't see any reason that it that it will not. Uh, once we move, and the next question will be, when are you moving? We believe it'll be first quarter of 2022. Um, I would think by opening day of 2022, we should be in our new digs. Let's take a very quick break. We've got a lot of great questions, and um, I know we're going to have some great answers as well stick around it's 127 this is jeff wagner on wgmj we're joined at the wisconsin state fair by our general manager steve wexler we're coming up on the news but i want to sneak in one more call before that louise in cedarburg louise good afternoon good afternoon uh mr wexler uh, i am quite a lady uh radio listener uh and um wtmj is my favorite um, I have a positive and a negative. Okay, Uh-oh. the positive, okay. You, which one would you like first, positive you, or It's negative? your choice, Louise. <laughs> I'll okay. take them both. <laughs> well, I hate to end it with a negative. All right, so uh, let's start out uh, with, with the negative, and then I'll give you the positive. Okay, negative, Saturday programming. All afternoon is boring, boring, boring. It's all investments, retirement, da-da-da-da-da-da. And so I turn to WGN, which is much more interesting. I think you could have much more interesting people between at least noon to the baseball games or whatever. Uh, uh, This investment and um, uh, Okay, well, let him make that point. Okay, okay, Louise, that's a good one. Give us your your positive before the news there. 
Okay, the positive is this. Jim Bohannon you have during the week at night. How about weekends? He's on WGN on weekends. How about WTMJ on weekends with Jim Bohannon? To me, that's one of the best programs you have going at WTMJ. Okay, thanks for the call, Louise. Right. Okay, let, let's talk about the syndicated program. Should we do that? You want to do that after, after oh, let, the news? Uh, we can do it quick. Let's, Isn't somebody yeah. get, get you in trouble if you're late for the news? Oh, wait, no, I'm in here. Yeah. I guess you're not going to get in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, weekends. I beg to differ. I think the investment programs and some of these things are really, really important uh, uh, for our fans and the information that's on. Um, some of them are partners that we have who uh, are able to expose their products and services. So um, I'm really happy with that programming because much of it is local as opposed to syndicated programming. Um, number two is because the sports schedules are so unpredictable, there could be a Brewers game, there could be a Packers game, there could be a Bucks game, we have to leave ourselves lots of flexibility on the weekends. So that's why it's hard, frankly, to program and count on you know when shows will start and stop on uh on the weekend um in terms of overnights and weekends and bohannon and the like um it's tough because there's not a lot of really great syndicated programming available like there once was plus our priority is local so uh, i appreciate the notes on the overnight programming we'll evaluate the weekends it's not the highest priority for us you know when i started i did six days a week i had a saturday show i did the my my i started at 10 in the morning and i did a couple of the i I think i did i did like money talk and i did fox world travel for a while and then we had i'm I'm not suggesting going back to the start you suggesting (laughs) that the six day week was and and then from noon to three yeah when there wasn't sports programming and at the time we had the badgers so you had preempted a lot of times you're right. But it was noon to three, so I, I worked six days a week. And I remember I'd been at Thunder about six or seven years, and the general manager at the time then calls me into his office and said, would you be hurt if we if we took you off Saturdays and only had you do Monday through yeah. Friday? Yeah, what was your response? Uh, do I have moron on my forehead? <laughs> you know, it was, it was thank you very much. Because right, so, you've given me some new ideas for weekend programming. <laughs> there you go. All right, we're going to be back with many more questions for Steve Wexler, general manager or vice president of Good Karma Brands. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We're joined at the Wisconsin State Fair by General Manager Steve Wexler. Uh, Steve, let's talk to Dan in Wauwatosa. Um, Dan, good afternoon. Dan? Hello, Jeff. Um, I'm here. Hello, Dan. Uh, I just wanted, I have two, hi, are you guys there? Yep, we can hear you. Great. Uh, A comment and then a question. Comment, uh, you mentioned local, live, all that kind of good stuff. I just wanted to pre- send out my appreciation for, like, the neighbor-to-neighbor storm team coverage when we had the tornado warnings come through a couple nights ago. It was not, I think it was Scott Warris was on overnight and taking calls from people all over, all over the place, <laughs> from one point to everywhere. So I really appreciate that type of uh, well, programming if I can that just you pause do. There. I don't know of another station that does that locally. Well, if I can just pause you right there, because that, thank you, by the way, for that compliment. And that's a great example of what I was talking about. Unfortunately, today, so many broadcasters, their programming doesn't even come from the city where you live and where you're listening. And we just take those kind of moments very seriously here. We still do. And in the middle of the night, yeah, Eric Bilstead and Scott Warris were in the studio monitoring the weather, taking calls. Our view is that if one listener wakes up in the middle of the night and turns on WTMJ, we ought to be there with information, and that's uh, the standard we set. And we're going to try to, you know, earn your your respect and your and your listenership for many years to come by doing that. Great, and you've so done Dan, that. And uh, now on a pack a packer related question, I am curious. Sure. 
knowing that the NFL is allowing fans, from what we understand as of right now, fans will be in the stands. Do we know if the follow the Packers promotion uh, will happen as it has in the past? Ooh, really good question. So, follow the Packers is the contest where somebody gets an amazing trip uh, to see the game to yeah. see the next game, no matter where that game is. As of now, if the uh, if everybody's traveling and if the fans are welcome uh, with our friends at uh, uh, West Bend, the Silver Lining, we would uh, anticipate having our follow the Packers contest continue. Yes, there you go. Okay, thanks for the call. Breaking I appreciate news. it. Breaking news. <laughs> now, now all you got to do is win. Okay, Steve, we're, we're getting a. Several questions on the text line that, that all I kind of asked the same thing. Okay. We announced about a month ago that Gene Miller, after a 40-year career, either KTI or TMJ, is retiring. And to summarize it, the questions of various forms are, what's going on with the morning show? What will the morning show look like? What is the process to replace Gene? Not that we can replace Gene, but yep, yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, great question. I get this one a lot when I'm uh, out and about. And you're right. Any conversation about Gene and the morning show, I think, has to begin with uh, a thing. Thank you. Uh, you know, this uh, broadcaster who is a Milwaukeean and a Wisconsinite uh, has been part of the fabric of our community and literally before WKTI. I mean, he, I remember Gene on the rock station, 93 QFM, way back in the day. Uh, grew up in Stephen, or went to school in Stevens Point. So, so grateful that Gene was both part of the Reitman and Miller show and then WTMJ with Jagler and Miller and other uh, versions of that show. Um, my view on that is this. Whenever there is a change like that, and there haven't been a lot, Jeff, over no. the years. You no. know, if, if you look back, um, the WTMJ morning show, which, you know, you could argue is sort of the flagship show of the station. It's the morning show. It's the one that, you know, kicks off the day. For many years, uh, Gordon Hinckley uh, was the host of that show. Uh, when Gordon retired, some people may not remember this. There was actually a very short-lived show by a fellow named Jim Tate, who was handpicked to follow Gordon. And Jim tragically ended up uh, having cancer and, and uh, passed away months after he was made the morning man on WTMJ. Rob Edwards uh, did the morning show. And then you'll have to help me with some of this. Ken Herrera. Ken Herrera. John, John Belmont, Belmont before Ken, did yeah. the morning show. And I th- think that takes us then to... Gene and uh, John, right? Right. Yes. Okay, if I have my history correct. So the answer to the question is, we're always going to be mindful of our past and respectful, but I don't want us to ever feel bound or limited by our legacy. So uh, it's a way of me saying we're going to have news and information and personality, but who is doing that, how it sounds, how it's formatted, how it's structured. When you have opportunities like this, the question isn't really who replaces Gene. That's one of the questions. The other question is, what does news and information sound like for the next generation of listeners? Because today, people, and I'd be curious from your listeners, people used to listen to the radio on a radio. Right. Today, it, web stream, stream right. sure. uh, smart speakers. The podcast. Uh, a I podcast, mean, right, yeah. right? Maybe you listen to Jeff Wagner hours after Jeff is done with his show. Jeff's having a, a <laughs> yeah. cocktail with Fran, and you're, yeah. you want to hear the Jeff Wagner show. So we're trying to think about the show for an, the existing generation of listeners and for what news and information radio sounds like. So uh, what's the process? Um, we're open for ideas. I'm getting all kinds of different ideas. People are suggesting things. Some of the ideas are excellent. Some of the ideas are <laughs> terrible. Yeah. But that's okay, because when you're right. in the idea 
part of the business, I think it's important to sort of just stay open to new ideas and, and fresh thinking. So I want to honor WTMJ's past as we make chases, uh, changes like this, but I want to try to make sure that the future of our franchise, long after Jeff Wagner or Steve Wexler or others have our fingerprints on it, I want to make sure that our future is innovative and relevant. So, um, so we're kind of going through a discovery process right now, talking to listeners, advertisers, our own staff, and others about what the show will sound like. Let's uh, let's talk to Scott in South Milwaukee. Scott, you're on WTMJ with Steve Wexler. Um, hey, um, Steve, um, thanks um, thanks for taking my phone call. Um, I would like, first of all, like WTMJ sports sports broadcast. You know, Brewers and Brewers and and Bucks and Packers is phenomenal. Um, and the coverage of the Bucks championship run I thought was outstanding. Yeah. And I hope that we can Thank duplicate you. that in the fall with the Brewers. Um, my question, whatever it is Badger Badger Athletics, is there any chance in the future that WTMJ will get We'll get back uh, Badger football and Badger basketball broadcasting rights. Yeah, I mean, it's always possible. The The sports business, uh, is it Scott, by the way? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the yeah. sports business has changed in that the investments that broadcasters have to make, and by the way, it's it's you know it's legitimate, I guess, and appropriate, are very different than they used to be. And so the idea that you could just you know have the rights to everything is is not as feasible as it, as it once was. Um, we love local sports. We love Wisconsin and the Bucks and the Packers and the Brewers. Um, on our FM station, we carry Marquette. We're going to be making another announcement fairly soon about um, a, a university that we're, we're going to be associated with on our uh, sports station. Um, so we love all of that because it's unique content. Uh, the Badger uh, deal that you might recall was on WTMJ for many, many years. We could not come to terms, gosh, 10, maybe 12 years ago on the business side of that. And so we remain huge fans and supporters. Could it? return could it come back uh i never say never on those deals but at the moment it's not in the short-term plan right, thanks nicole and also right. i think Thank one you. of the problems too was also the, the conflicts i mean for example like you okay saturday afternoon you've got a brewers game you've right. got a badgers football game on a tuesday night you've got a badgers basketball game at the same time there's a bucks basketball game and and trying to arrange clearances and stuff was was a logistical yes, nightmare it right? was and i will tell you one of the reasons why wtmj over the years has successfully been the flagship of uh, of all these teams is because our signal which is a competitive advantage for us and by the way radio stations can't change their signal they're not allowed to like manipulate their coverage whatever your signal that the yeah, fcc a couple people are asking that can you can you jack we can't hear it as well in Jefferson County. Yeah. The signal is, is, yeah. uh, is regulated by the Federal Communications Commission. Our signal travels um, hundreds and hundreds of miles, and you can hear us, you know, in, especially in daytime. In the UP, you can hear us in the, in the northern suburbs of Chicago, if you've ever driven out, you know, west towards the Mississippi. So the teams love the coverage that WTMJ AM620 provides them. So part of the issue is if you're going to have all these teams in all these games, invariably you're going to have a Bucks game when there's a Badgers game, when there's a Brewers game, when there's a Bucks game. Right. We're going to take a break. We'll be back with one more segment with Steve Wexler. Stick around. This is Jeff Wagner broadcasting live from the 2021 Wisconsin State Fair. So very glad to have you with us. We're joined by our Good Karma Vice President, Market Manager, Steve Wexler. One more segment, Gary and Portage. Gary, good afternoon. Hey, Jeff, Steve, it's nice to talk to you. Uh, Thank you, I've been Gary. listening since 1977 when I got out of the Navy. And uh, <laughs> I right. spent a lot of time listening to Watumja. 
and uh, say that once a couple of times, hey, from from John Green and you know Gordon Hinckley and all the years. The question I've got yeah. is, I live in Portage, and of course the signal, you know, weekends at at sundown, and I love the idea of trying to stream the games, you know, on on uh, my computer. But you know, the five county thing drives me crazy. And so yep. I end up having to watch TV instead. Is there any possible way, or is that is there a way to get around that? Uh, you know, because I wanted to listen actually to listen to the Brewers when I was out in Maryland for three years too. But you know, it's just it's one Gary, of those Gary, questions for, that I just sure, we uh, got drives me okay. crazy. Thanks for call, Gary. Thanks, Gary, and appreciate you invoking 1977. A very important year for me here at WTMJ, especially sitting in this uh, State Fair studio with Jeff today. Um, Brewers, first of all, that's really Major League Baseball. That's not really Brewers or WTMJ's uh, call. We were so thrilled that Major League Baseball finally allowed us to stream on our app and our streaming Brewers games, but they did it, as you point out, in a geographical area, which isn't perfect, by the way. They they asked for, like, five counties. It doesn't really work that way. It works by miles, not by counties, because your stream doesn't know that, you know, Jeff's maybe in Ozaki or Walworth or Waukesha uh, County. It doesn't extend, though, to Portage, where um, where the caller was from. So that was MLB finally allowing that. The signal... WTMJ's AM signal is actually one of the best signals in the country for an AM radio station. goes on during the daytime for hundreds and hundreds of miles. It is different at night, like all AM radio stations are. The best suggestion I have for you is, and it's going to cost you a few bucks, if you want to stream Brewers, um, because you can't get our stream because you're that far outside, either the MLB app, and if you buy the MLB app, not the free version, but I think there's like a premium upgrade, you get streaming and that's our broadcast or if you're an xm uh serious yeah. uh satellite listener you can also get uh mlb that way and that is our broadcast that's bob and jeff uh and lane so uh unfortunately if you're not within signal range and you can't stream it your only options for the radio broadcast are either satellite or upgrading your app uh steve as we wind down our, our time here let's talk about sort of big picture stuff um, is the radio industry in decline? I mean, for, for years and years and years, we've heard, oh, that, 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 that's it, that, that TV is going to make radio useless, and now we've got the Internet, and that's going to make radio useless. Is, is the industry in decline? Um, that's a great question. I would say if you looked overall at the numbers, you would probably say, yes, radio revenues and radio listening. Radio listening less so. Radio listening is still, uh, the latest survey shows that 93 or 94% of Americans um, are exposed to over-the-air radio during the course of a week. That's still an extraordinarily high number, right? And all that means is that 94% of people somehow listen to radio, whether that's a newscast or a talk show or a baseball game. Um, radio revenues, though, however, have definitely decreased because advertising dollars go to so many different places. They used to be right, newspaper, yeah. TV, radio, TV, radio, maybe direct mail, right, or, or billboard. Today digital and uh, search optimization and social media. So radio revenues have, have declined. The reason I am bullish, though, about at least what we're trying to do is where radio has been resilient and has actually shown growth is when broadcasters stay locally oriented, whether that's sports, news, talk shows, personalities, community engagement. Where radio has gotten into trouble 
is broadcasters have been forced into this world where they leverage um, music formats across multiple stations. And so you have a lot of radio stations, unfortunately, that have become sort of collections of songs, and then a whole bunch of commercials, and then a whole bunch of songs. And of course, the problem with that is I don't really need a radio anymore to listen to music. I can listen to music so many different ways. I can put together my favorite songs in any order that I want, on demand, uh, and, and built to my taste. So I'm actually optimistic about radio as long as broadcasters continue to remember that what brought us to the party, what made us successful, was that there were listeners who were actually engaged. And when I get a complaint about something that's on the air, whether it's Jeff Wagner or Steve Scafidi or a a talk show, I actually smile because I would rather have a reaction, Jeff. Somebody's engaged, sure. Absolutely. And if it's an intelligent uh, criticism, I'll take that all day long. And I know we won't please everybody. That's impossible. But the worst thing to get is no reaction. Mm -hmm. Like, what if these microphones were live every day and people like you were talking about the issues of the day and current events and you know after two o'clock you're going to get into more of the news of the day right and what if nobody was engaged and nobody chimed in and nobody said ah jeff you're you know you're you're, 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 you're foolish that to me would be the biggest damnation than the the criticism we get so radio does have challenges what i like about what we're doing in our company is we're really not thinking ourselves thinking of ourselves necessarily as a radio station we're thinking of ourselves as a brand that has content and that content exists over the air uh, on our website, on our app, through podcasts, increasingly through video uh, and through the written word uh, as well so i Long answer to your question, but I think if broadcasters stay true to their original mission, we're going to continue to have great success. And I'll tell you, for us, we grow. We're in a growth mode as a business, and it's because we're doing local news, talk, and sports programming. Steve Wexler, thanks for spending some time with us at the State Fair. Let's not bust this again sometime. Thanks for uh, letting me uh, come on in to my uh, old stomping grounds and have fun <laughs> with you, Jeff. I really appreciate you and uh, your your fans, thanks. your listeners, and the audience uh, for giving me and for giving our station uh, a little bit of their uh, of a little bit of their media space today. Absolutely. Back with lots more in just a couple minutes. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the WTMJ Annex Wealth Management Studios at State Fair Park. This is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Well, Melissa, I don't know about the accuracy of anything else in your news report, except when you said it is raining. It is raining here right now pretty hard. Yes. <laughs> it is, yeah. It has been doing that off and on off all and day. On. Mm-hmm. Well, it, well, I got here about 10, 10, 15 in the morning, and it was raining like Noah get ready to build a boat. <laughs> Cats and, and dogs. Right, and then it, it kind of quieted down, and the sun actually came out, and, and it has been off and on. And I, I'm looking, I, I've got the radar here, and there, there there's not big globs of red or anything but there's kind of this consistent like green blobs and stuff and it it really does go off and on the the sky glider which is one of my indications sky glider hasn't been running all day so and i don't think the ferris wheel has either so that's an indication that it's but there are still a lot of people i'm actually surprised yeah if you do come out bring your poncho bring your raincoat um because you never know when it's going to stop and kind of get nice again and right yeah and and there's a and plus as, as i found when i was just walking from where i parked to our broadcast 
broadcast facility, there, there's a lot of overhangs and stuff. There's things you can do to, to get out of the rain. And it's right now, it's not like a, a driving, you know, 40-mile-an-hour rain. It's just a, a light rain. nice, gentle rain. Yes. Drizzle, I think they call it. Drizzle. Is that it? It is drizzling? Okay. <laughs> Drizzly, yeah. But plenty of room out here at the Wisconsin State Fair. Actually, days like today aren't, aren't bad days to come out because they're not as crowded as other days can be. I would agree so with that, yes. You don't have to worry about lines. Okay, we'll continue to keep you posted about the weather forecast. I want to talk about something. It's a story from the world of sports, but it has larger implications. There are, every once in a while, I, I will denounce political correctness, where you know people do things or say things that have historically always been acceptable, and now somebody gets upset about them. I mean, I, I regularly ridicule the people who I call the politically correct and the perpetually offended, the folks who wake up every day you know, looking for somebody to knock some, a chip off their shoulder. So I, I appreciate that, and I try not to be overly sensitive because there's, there's always going to be somebody who gets upset about something. Then, then there's the other category of people who do stuff which is so staggeringly stupid that you wonder what they could have possibly been thinking. Exhibit A to that is Packers wide receiver Devin Funches. Now, you might not really be familiar with him because the Packers picked him up as a free agent two years ago, and then what happened is he opted out of the 2020 season because of COVID. So he really hasn't played for the Packers. So th- this year he's, he's in he's in their training camp, you know, and he's competing to try to you know earn a roster spot uh, as a wide receiver. And so Saturday night in Green Bay they had their family night, and you know, this is one where you can, you can pay; it doesn't cost you very much money. You can go in and you can watch the team practice and things like that. And he apparently had a really really good practice. So he was one of two players that they selected to go meet in person with the media. Uh, a lot of the media interviews are like virtual and things like that, but but he had a really good practice. So they said, okay, here, you, you, you go in person and, and you meet with the, the uh, reporters. So the, the protocol is that everybody's wearing masks. That that's the, kind of the rule. So he he rolls in, and this is the way the State Journal describes it. He says he was ebullient, um, following the practice, meaning he was very very happy with himself, pleased with himself, excited. He was very he was ebullient following the practice and excitedly greeted reporters as he entered the media auditorium. I uh, say previous questions and answers were conducted virtually, but he's showing up in person. He walks in. And apparently, um, he says, he starts bantering with the reporters. And he says, I like smiles. And then he says, you know, the, the problem is, I can't see smiles on faces of people when they're wearing masks. Okay, they're, they're, they're kind of like, like kidding around, because the reporters are supposed to wear masks. So, apparently, what happens is, one of the reporters that he's talking about says, hey, I, I'm I'm smiling, you know. I'm 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 smiling, even though you can't see me smile. At which point in time, Packers receiver Devin Funches says to the reporter, "I can tell you were smiling when I see your face. I can see your face." Everybody goes, and then he uses a, a slur for Chinese people. Um, Everybody goes, and he uses the slur, and that's when I know. And then he he puts his fingers up to his his eyes, and he he makes a sign which 
I don't know. You know, maybe maybe you would have seen this in the fifties and sixties as a derogatory reference towards you know Asian Asian people, but he does it. He does it while he's at this press conference, and he uses the slur. Um, okay, and then he goes ahead and continues with the the press conference. So this this goes over like you might expect, like a lead balloon, and um, he. He's pretty much immediately trotted out. He says, I want to apologize for the disparaging remark I used tonight. It was not okay. I have grown to develop deep personal and business relationships in the Asian community. I meant no harm. And those that know me know I have love and respect for all cultures and people. I will learn from this and will continue to grow as a person. I'm forever sorry. So he immediately comes out and apologizes for what he did. So now the question that's being put to the coach and the general manager is, are you going to cut him for this? Are you going to get rid of him? Now, what the Packers general manager is saying that he met with him, says that the team does not plan to release him at the moment. That was the operative phrase. At the moment, we're not going to cut him. Um, we've addressed it with Devin. He knows it's unacceptable. I do think he's sincerely remorseful and will hopefully learn from this. He will, and hopefully our team can learn from this and will move forward. I do want to say that this is something that is not condoned, and it doesn't live up to what we believe here with the Green Bay Packers. So they're saying right now we're, we're not going to cut him. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now let me say this at the start. I, I, you know, they're, they're stupid and they're stupid. And I'm sorry, I, I don't even, why this guy would go down this particular route, something that I think, it, it's offered gratuitously, it's not a slip of the tongue, it's not a it's not a mistake made by somebody who makes his living three hours a day talking in front of an open microphone, it's not something that is arguably, well, okay, is this, is there any interpretation of what he said that you could find to be appropriate? It's clearly totally inappropriate. So now the Packers are being asked whether or not they should cut him. Should he lose his job because of this? 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line, or is the apology and the dressing down he received from the general manager, is that sufficient? 855-616-1620, my answer would be yes, but at the same time, I can't believe what this guy was thinking. 855-616-1620, we discuss in a moment. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. And again, we're broadcasting live from the 2021 State Fair. So glad to have you with us. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We're talking about the, the just, it's a bizarre story. Uh, especially in the sense that, like, sometimes people get in trouble for saying stupid, racist, offensive things, and, and they don't necessarily mean it, and it's like a slip of the tongue or or whatever, or they, they say something, and they didn't realize this term was going to be offensive. Well, you know, Devin Funches, who is a wide receiver for the Packers, he has apparently a great Saturday night after the, the their family night, and he meets with reporters, and he uses a slur towards Asians, and he makes a, a gesture towards his eyes, which, generally speaking, is generally acknowledged to be offensive towards Asians. And 
he, apparently he just didn't get it. And it, it, I guess that's the staggering thing to me that, you know, you have somebody, and he's not really a kid. You have somebody who, you know, doesn't recognize that this is, this is inappropriate under any circumstance, and it's especially inappropriate when you're talking to the media. Having said that, he clearly got dressed down by Packers management, which I think is, is appropriate. The, the general sense, lots of text on this, and it's kind of like he already apologized, let, let him move on. Um, number of the texts, uh, another texter is making the point that, well, you know, here, here's the deal. Um, he's a professional athlete. He's not really a, a brain surgeon. <laughs> that was kind of the frame. Um, and so, you know, given given that, you know, you have to cut him some slack. Um, you know, you know, the, the couple of texters are saying, well, he might have been trying to make a, a joke. No, I don't, I don't, I mean, he was trying to make a joke, but it was just kind of a, a bad bad joke he should not be cut one statement inappropriate yes but deserving is losing his job no um if babe behavior is repeated yeah and i, I think that's see that's the that's the the fair reaction to this and, and by that i mean I, I think we're too quick to to judge and say okay somebody does something stupid or somebody says something stupid or offensive and, and that means that they have to be canceled for, forever all right. I, I think you, you have to understand that, that people do dumb things from time to time. People will do things that other people find uh, offensive. And I, I think you have to look at what the severity of it was. And you also have to balance this out. Now, clearly, he got dressed down. He's been warned about this. If he goes on to continue to make a, a series of racist comments, for example, that, you know, cause the, the Packers, you know, problems from a variety of perspectives. Well, at some point in time, yeah, you can become so controversial that you end up, they, they have to, like, essentially, you know, get rid of you. I don't think it's at that point there. And I think, you know, you have to be able to move on for this. I look, I, I lump something like this in with that the controversy involving Brewers all-star relief pitcher Josh, Josh Hader for a few years ago, you will remember that right as he was coming to prominence, um, some intrepid reporter went back and they started like looking at stuff from his high school yearbook or, or something like that for, you know, years and years ago, and they found stuff which was admittedly you know inappropriate, but he was a kid, and, and kids say stupid things. Grown-ups say stupid things from time to time. And the idea was, oh, should the Brewers have gotten rid of him? Well, of course you're not going to get rid of him. You you, you talk to him. I think he recognized at the time that, that something that you might say when you're 15 or 16 years old is different than what you would say at 21 or 25 or 35 or 45. I don't think there's this need to cancel everybody because they do dumb things. What Devin Funches did on Saturday night was a dumb thing. Should it cost him his job? Absolutely not. If he continues to do dumb things that embarrass the organization, that might be a different conversation. But I think in this particular one, you move on, you hope everybody's learned from it, and you hope other people in the locker room have learned from this too, going, hey, you know, ethnic jokes probably really don't have a place, at least when you're having a press conference. If they have any place at all, it certainly isn't in a situation where you're talking to reporters after an otherwise successful football practice. Okay, that's it. When we come back, we're going to find out what John and Melissa have on their minds. Please stick around. We're broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair.